Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Musicals Taught Me Everything I Know. I am your host, Saint C. Weber, and with me at the table tonight is... Julie Eisentrager. And our super special guest, producer, actor, singer, voice of TomTom Australia, I believe, is still a credit that applies. Mm, Not so much anymore as of about 12 months ago, I think. Oh, well, still, as of about 12 months ago, we have... James Gorsey. That's right. He knows his name. All Hooray. right. Ten points for me. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, so thanks for coming, James. It's my you pleasure know. to be here. And thanks to- for asking me on. You're welcome. You have chosen. I have chosen Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. A very timely and topical musical. Very. That uh, I'm sure will get controversial. Uh, but before we do that, we have our Get to Know You quiz which we're not allowed to sing the intro to because mm. Miranda isn't here. Miranda's not here. <laughs> I, I, is there a sung intro? I, I've, I've listened to the first three episodes. This might be before she started doing it. Getting to know you. And then oh, I, I can't and really. Yes. Creepier. Every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah, it started out as like a really generic, bright Julie Andrews. And now while well, she of, was actually still playing yeah. Anna. <laughs> and, and now it's become like this slightly subversive. <laughs> Miranda, don't take offense when you listen to it's this. It's just like the, the song you hear before you, someone stabs you. I can just see her face doing that yeah. right now. We shouldn't funny. have spoken about uh, Clockwork Orange before this. It's primed us <laughs> in a really weird direction. Put us in a weird mindset. Okay, so first question. Which musical character would other people describe you as? Okay, this is a tough one. I, I had to think a lot about mm-hmm. this. Um, and the best I could come up with was that I think um, people would have a different answer depending on <laughs> at what point in my life it would be. Right, so you've, you've, you've metamorphosed. Yes. Or you've grown up. You've yeah. You've changed. A, a little bit. <laughs> I, I think um, once upon a time it might have been a Marius style. Okay. Like right at the very beginning of first coming to Brisbane when I was yeah. a teenager and whatever. Um, and then it kind of became, uh, it could have been a Jamie from the last five years. And then eventually became a bit of a Bobby from Company, mm-hmm. and now I don't know what I am. Oh, Dylan. I 
definitely Jamie from last five years, I think, is a pretty pretty spot on. Like because again, you see a change in him over the musical. Mm, mm. So I don't know how offensive that is to you. <laughs> <laughs> Have a thick skin. It's fine. I, I don't know. I, I would. I mean, I've known you for a while. I mean, I don't think time. you're as conflicted as Bobby is. No, I think um, there, there was a time when I think I was. Yeah, and um, I can't speak to that. Like that's no, something only you would know. No, that's true. Um, but uh, but I think there was a time where I was a bit of just free agenting. Yeah, Nobody really yeah. know what I. I didn't even know what I wanted to do. Yeah. Nobody knew what I wanted to do and I was still in that deciding phase. And, and everyone else was talking about you. Were they? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of couples that were friends. Um, oh, that, maybe that was, worst. that was... Yeah, they are the worst. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, Julie, did you have any insight? Nope. No? What do, what do other people... I don't know what other people... I know who I would... I know characters I would like to see you play. Oh, okay. Right. So it's a role, not as a oh, person. It's right. a role, not as a person. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Okay, well... Well, there what, is a similar question to that, I think, coming similar. up. So. It'll, 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 yeah. come up. it'll come up. You mean like right now? No, no, no. So which musical character would you mm. like other people to compare you to? Bobby Strong from You're in Town. Yeah. He is my... Uh, he's my spirit animal, I think. He's a little dim though, James. Like I wouldn't describe you as dim. But I think um, I'm, a lot, I'm a lot dimmer than people give me credit for. <laughs> um, he's, he's, he wears his heart on his sleeve and he's an absolutely hopeless romantic and all he knows is what he thinks is right. Yeah, all right. And, and I think those are kind of... Characteristics, for better or worse, that, that kind of apply to. Well, me, I mean, maybe? I when you said that you're going to ask what we thought you were, uh, the only reason I didn't say Bobby Strong because again, like we performed in in you're in town together, yeah. and you as Bobby Strong, yeah, is because Bobby is a little dim. I was like, <laughs> I don't. I think you you definitely have a stronger opinion about where you are and what you're doing than Bobby ever did. <laughs> he really just kind of. Went with the flow, <laughs> but you know, if you, if, if that's not an insult, I, I don't. I think that's a very I valid. Don't, I answer. don't think it's an insult. So what you're saying is you're like on the down low, a little dim. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, anybody who's spent an extended period with me with not much to do will realize very quickly how <laughs> incredibly silly I am and how stupid and and nonsensical things become really quickly. So. A and 24-hour musical comes to mind. <laughs> oh, um, yep. yeah. Mm. Yeah, good. Mm. Okay, well, what's your dream role? So you've played a lot of roles and a lot that would be on other people's bucket lists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are there any that you haven't played or do, have you played one that you want to revisit? I, I'm lucky that I have played a couple of my dream roles. Bobby Strong is definitely yeah. um, one of my dream roles. Um, uh, my dream role, I've been in the show twice, but I've not played this role. It's Sweeney Todd. Um, a little young for it still, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah probably five to ten years away, yeah. I think. Um, but it will happen if nobody puts it on. I will. <laughs> um, but I think uh, I think it's one of the most powerful um, male roles in theatre. Generally, it's just so uh, so unusual to play such a characteristic villain as yes, a lead role. As a lead role, and and so. Uh, again, a male role that we don't see very often is so emotionally driven. Mm. Like he is, he is uh, a plaything of his emotions. So. Mm. 
Uh, good. There was one other dream role, oh. and it is actually another Sondheim show. John Wilkes Booth in Assassins. Okay. I love that role. I love that song, Ballad of Booth, is the, the various stages of Ballad of Booth. They're yep. all amazing. It's one of my favourite openings to a show. All right, well... Is that your favourite Sondheim? Is Sweeney or Assassin? No, neither of those, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, my favourite Sondheim is Passion. Okay, that's a good choice. Um, one of the main reasons why Passion is a favourite is because it's short and, <laughs> it, and it doesn't skip a beat. It's like 110% emotion for 90 minutes. Yeah, and yep. And it's beautiful and contrasting and, and the characters are flawed and it's just this amazing kind of intricate tale that's told in such a brief time period. And I think yeah. that is an achievement to uh, to evoke so much emotion in such a short Absolutely. amount of time is, is huge. Um, I love it. So you've played a lot of roles, mm-hmm. a lot of your dream roles. Mm-hmm. Do you sing all your favourite songs from those dream roles in the shower? I have a really big confession to make. Oh, no. I have the worst lyric retention ability (laughs) on the planet. Some people I know, um, my wife included, can just absorb lyrics and then just spit them out. And it's something that I've always been so envious of (laughs) because I literally have to drill lyrics like there's no tomorrow and I don't know why that is. But for some reason, words don't stick in my That's head. That's really interesting that your f- the, the three shows that you mentioned are sometimes <laughs> <laughs> known for his wordiness. You know what? I find it easier with Sondheim because it because uh, it's tied in with rhythm. It's tied in with rhythm. Uh, the words all have purpose. It's not just window dressing. Yep. It's it, it's all um, tied. It, it all has a specific purpose and it's all tied in together and the music is written around the words. Yeah. Whereas if you have music that's been written and words that have been written for the music, it's the opposite problem yeah. where the music is beautiful and, and you can really get into it, but retaining those words is really tough. So what you're saying is your go-to shower song is Avril Lavigne's Skater Boy. Absolutely, oh, yeah. My I've heard, you know, I've heard something actually. Don't Google Avril Lavigne because apparently the top websites yeah. they, they're just packed with viruses or something. But have you heard that? Um, I have. The audience has yet to, oh. but now they have. Oh. Don't Google Avril Lavigne. Whatever you do, and oh, too late, don't, Julie. You're on my Wi-Fi. <laughs> Uh, Telstra will be calling you. Uh, okay, so the controversial question. Mm. And you can't answer cats. That's a new rule. Oh, don't I get to say what my shower song was? Oh, oh absolutely. Yes, yeah, sorry. I, I forgot I, overru- I overruled you with Avril <laughs> No, the, the only, the song that always uh, comes back to me is She Cries from Songs for a New World Aww. because I used it as an audition song for so many years. <laughs> and I think it's some kind of conditioning because I used to have, uh, because I'm so bad at, at learning lyrics, I used to write handwrite lyrics out on bits of paper Old and school. then stick them on the outside of the shower glass with sellotape and that's right. how I would yeah. learn my music. So when you're in the shower. So when I'm in the shower, remember. it just comes to mind and then I bust it out and annoy all the neighbours. That's a, just a, a hot lyric retention tip from James Corsi. I was wondering where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really hot 
shower. The, the, hot, the shower was very hot. I guarantee you Julie went far dirtier than that. <laughs> no, uh, 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 did not. You went dirtier than that. That was in no way or shape my fault. Guys, I feel really objectified right now. <laughs> well, James, <clears throat> take the focus off your body, naked or otherwise, <laughs> please. by telling us please take it off my body. which <laughs> musical theatre <laughs> production you would delete from existence. So this one has a story. Um, and it's I, quite a time. So um, in my day job, I, uh, I, I work with teams that build websites and, and mobile apps and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of our clients is Spotify. And so we make a lot of um, digital experiences based on Spotify data and Spotify information. So you can connect your account and it will take some of that data from your account and do something fun with it. Yep. So... There was this one time I did this project called the 24-Hour Musical. And, really? And, yeah. <laughs> and, I wonder and, what that was like. And the show that we did was Kiss Me, Kate. Now, Kiss Me, Kate <laughs> um, <laughs> it is a, a great show, re, you know, absolutely fine. Um, Cole Porter's best. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm, I shake my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but every time I test one of these Spotify experiences now, it comes back with my unique listening history. <laughs> and in my all-time top ten <laughs> is Wunderbar from Kiss Me, Kate. That's because and you it's played it 24 hours straight. I played it for 24 hours straight along with a handful of other songs. It was the first one on the playlist, so it just kept going over and over and over. And now it's in my top ten all-time play tracks. And it skews all of my half-decent music recommendations whenever I connect to Spotify. So if I could delete a musical, it would be Kiss Me, Kate, for that reason. Uh, Julie, could you write Spotify a letter, please? Dear Spotify, please stop. Cease and desist. (laughs) All right. I can't help but feel a little bit responsible for that one. So uh, let's move on. So what news from the great wide way do we have to talk about this week? Um, I've got a news item and it's um, pertaining to this uh, show that we're talking about. Uh, oh, bloody, right. Bloody. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, uh, Michael Friedman, who is the uh, composer and lyricist for the show, um, he died of complications related to HIV and AIDS yeah. um, just last month. And uh, we actually teed up this interview before he passed away, which really kind of highlighted the importance of, of documenting something around this time. Um, So yeah, that's uh, condolences to his family and, and, and that kind of thing. But um, such a a really interesting uh, way of getting to know a person, know a person a little bit better uh, through, through their work, through their work. And, um, and everybody's outpouring of support for him as a creator um, really was a, a testament to his um, his legacy. So, yeah, we've had a few of them recently, Broadway um, Broadway deaths, which is which is unfortunate. But uh, you know, uh, so because he he didn't just do this one; he was he was in and around everything. Like he was. Uh, he was called on to do a lot of development work and uh, in with the Tonys as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, he was known as kind of a, a mentor. Mm. Yeah. So 
On happier news, well, depending on your feelings about uh, Green Witches, Wicked, the musical production, has finally been given a almost realistic release date of a movie. So we have two years to wait. December 20, 2019. I don't know Just how I feel about Christmas. this. I don't know how I feel about this. There is is no, it a Dis- is Disney doing it? Uh, I think they're attached, yeah, uh, because man. they do everything now. Why do they have to ruin all the musical theatre? Um, <laughs> I mean, look I think- what they did to Into the Woods. Are they really going to make <laughs> Wicked better? I mean, the book of Wicked was better than the musical and then the musical is going to be made into a movie which is going to be even more diluted. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean that's it's uh, it's it's very like I on this podcast and in most other podcasts that I do I often rail against the rebooting and adapting and re-rebooting and sequeling <laughs> and that goes on in but this, this is honestly like Wicked is 10 12 years old now uh, 2004, I think. Yeah, it, it was 13 Broadway. years old. Yeah. And from year two, they've been promising a movie. So mm. this is like, oh. Well, they needed to wring the towel dry yeah. of money first. It's just like, wait. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, well, that's, <laughs> uh, I was hoping to end on a happy note, but, you know, we're, 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 we're a table of cynics tonight. So it's okay. I think we're allowed. Look at that. We are allowed. Uh, so no cast, no crew announced yet. But uh, we will keep you updated, I guess, if if we don't have other better news. Well, I, to end that with a positive spin, oh. I am happy that um, a quality contemporary musical is getting a movie. And I yeah. think that helps consolidate the importance of musical theatre in our culture. So there. I agree. Hmm. Take yeah. that. Yeah. Take that. <laughs> Take that, <cynics>. Movies. <laughs> Be better and more musical. <laughs> All right, James. You've done this to us. Body, body, Andrew Jackson. Mm-hmm. What can you tell us about it? All right. History of the show. Um, I think it's important that the history of the two creators is is mentioned and um, Alex Timbers is now a very, very successful director and producer and, and that kind of stuff for reasons that we can, we can talk about later. But um, he was a Yale graduate. He was a president of the Yale Drama Society as yeah. well. Um, and when he graduated, he founded this thing called Les... Frères Corbusier, uh, which is the brotherhood of Corbusier, and Le Corbusier was a modernist architect. Yep. So very wanky. Super um, wanky, like yep. Yale wanky. Yeah. Yale, level Yale levels wank. of wank. <laughs> um, but, um, but by so their own tagline is that they, and I'm quoting, creates aggressively visceral theatre <laughs> combining, oh, no. and, and this is the important part, they combine historical revisionism, multimedia excess, found texts, sophomoric humour and rigorous academic research. Sounds like most university theatre companies. It's true, uh, but I think um, 
the testament to these guys' success is is the 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 work that the work they've they actually produced. produced. Yeah. Um, and as a like, I think it was the second year that, or second or third year that they were out of um, university. Oh, yeah. They created a musical, and I'm going from memory here. It was called President Harding is oh, a rock star this, or yeah, something. something like that. Um, yeah. Which I reckon could have been this. A, a bit of a prototype <laughs> um, for this uh, later work. Um, so, yeah, created a lot of kind of off-the-wall, off-Broadway type work over a number of years before um, cutting on to Bloody Bloody. Uh, Michael Friedman um, was a Harvard-educated history graduate. So these guys are very upper crust. Qualified. Qualified <laughs> people. Um, he was a founding associate in another kind of um, uh, – Brotherhood, know, what would you call it? Another brotherhood association. Yeah, pretty, yeah company. The, they were called the. They are called the civilians, and they call themselves an investigative theatre company. So, um, if anybody's ever seen the Laramie Project by the Tectonic mm. Theatre Project, um, another a, a couple of members of that project have gone on to really big uh, things and won Tonys and that kind of stuff. Um, but they basically go out and f- get. Uh, stories from the primary sources, they make them into verbatim theatre shows or like shows inspired yeah, by those yeah. people and those characters and stuff. It's a very interesting way of making theatre. Mm, I, I think it should be done more often yeah. uh, rather than, than less. I think it's a really valid way of uh, of creating. Well, yeah, it's just the, any, a really interesting way of restricting the uh, the content of a show is that, and then, of course, restrictions breed creativity. Mm, so yeah. Um, so, yeah, Michael was the uh, composer and lyricist for the show. Uh, and legend has it, and by legend I mean the LA Times uh, where I read it, uh, that they met in an East Village coffee shop. Oh, as you do. Uh, it was a professional blind date. They'd not met each other before <laughs> and people individually said, oh, you should talk to blah, you'd probably work really yeah. well together. Well, um, you can see the, the the kind of similarities between the the company that they were already keeping, mm, yeah. and they were actually working in similar theaters as well. Just coming through the the kind of show listings over the last um, yeah. you know, twenty four hours, it really highlights how close these guys were, <laughs> and probably they had maybe they had encountered each other, <laughs> but not, and and that kind of stuff. So, um, so they had uh, a couple of workshop productions in two thousand six and two thousand seven. Um, and I don't know, I couldn't find out where along the way the public theatre became involved, but the public theatre supported the at least the premiere production in California in 2008 yeah. with uh, the Centre Theatre Group. Um, and it's had a, a pretty big cast, actually, like big in terms of the profile of the people. Yeah. Um, Benjamin Walker, who went on to be the bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson forever, uh, originated the role in that production. But also in that production was a guy by the name of Sebastian Arcellus who is in House of Cards as yes. Lucas yep. something, who's Zoe Barnes' boss and eventual boyfriend and, and that kind of thing. He's re- a really cool person. Look him up. Um, but also Stephanie Abruzzo, who originated and won the Tony for Kate Monster and Lucy the Slut. She has come up. So many times in this podcast. <laughs> mm. She's everywhere. True story. Yeah. <laughs> She's everywhere. Yeah. Broadway. Uh, Why and, can't I live there? And she was around the time of this, she was in uh, the Scrubs episode as well, the musical episode. Oh, yeah. That's I love That's her. a thing. Mm. I remember that now. Mm. Anyway, uh, that was kind of a segue. 
um, uh, New York premiere. So it it was all planned, like this timeline was already established by the Public Theatre Off-Broadway and uh, in 2009 it opened there. Uh, first off, it was at, as a concert, um, which is interesting. Um, I don't but know why does, that was. Yeah, I mean, the show itself isn't too, like, stagey, sceney. Like, it's not too dissimilar to a concert to start with, so... The thing that got me about the fact that they did it for, like, a month as a concert was the fact that there's about 40 minutes of music. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you listen to it and you go, oh, it's over. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow, that was short. Maybe and that's the reason they did it, so that it's not... <laughs> maybe, maybe. But then they uh, they brought it up as a full production in 2010. Uh, Benjamin Walker again... Um, and it won Best New Musical at the Outer Critics Circle uh, Awards and Best Book at the Drama Desks. Yeah. Um, after that, same year, Broadway premiere in 2010, and it closed early. And there are a couple of conflicting reports around this. Some said that it wasn't, a, you know, it didn't really latch onto an audience because it yeah. was really different and... Um, it was kind of political and, and it was a re- unusual in terms of its its form. Especially with what was going on around it musical-wise at the time. It was it was an outlier. Mm. And um, not only that, but uh, the global financial crisis had just happened as well. Yeah. And so they... Broadway suffered. Broadway suffered heavily. Um, not as many people travelling worldwide, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, uh, that, it cost them $4.5 million and they lost money. So... Yeah, blame the economy. Um, I blame the economy. <laughs> it, whenever a business has bad sales, it's often the economy is to blame. Oh, I blame the economy for my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was nominated for Best Book at the Tonys and um, that year, the 65th Tony Awards, um, was the year that, like, Bloody Bloody had no chance no. because <laughs> it was a comedy musical and it was up against Book of Mormon. Yeah. And I don't. Like, um, I, I honestly believe that if uh, Book of Mormon hadn't have been in that year, it would have got a lot more of those token nominations you yeah. give to, to critically important theatre. But they had this massive juggernaut of Book yeah. of Mormon just taking over. It's everybody. always interesting to see, like, that with those years where one musical sweeps, it's like who loses. Mm. Like, because there are a lot of musicals that I've well honestly because they don't win Tonys they close so we like a lot of musicals just recently have announced that they're closing because just because they haven't won won enough Tonys to stay in Broadway weird it's kind of like uh wines that win awards and stuff (laughs) yeah like they'll they'll do another (laughs) bottle of that wine just because they can (laughs) slap an award sticker on it or something I don't know. know do people buy stuff because it's won awards I think I don't. I still drink the really crappy wines. <laughs> what about theatre? Do you go and see stuff because it's like one of Matilda or something? Nope. Mm. Not a Matilda. I think a Tony Award can be a selling point mm. to just because you know that it's going to be at least a quality show. Mm. Like there are very few best musical winners that are dodgy shows. You get the slow years, but can't keep it. <laughs> look, Sorry, I have cough. strong feelings about that and I feel that our opinions would conflict. No, I think oh, that okay. we would agree <laughs> agree quite strongly. 
but uh, anything else about um, Body Body look, Andrew Jackson? I think an important thing to note um, in the history of the show is the amount of controversy that it caused. Um, I mean, pretty much every production of the show has been criticised by the Native American community. Yeah. And it makes sense because Andrew Jackson literally committed genocide um, of the, the Native, Native Americans. American people and it, it makes total sense. And it's mainly because of its caricature representations of Native Americans. Um, I have to say, though, that in defence of the show, um, it is a high-concept show and pretty much every character is presented as a caricature anyway, I, yeah. I would probably say. Um, and I'm not telling people how to feel or, or anything like that, but um, because the show doesn't really... The, the way that I feel that way is... The reason why I feel that way is because it doesn't sugarcoat the shallowness of Andrew Jackson or the stupidity of the reasons why people elected him or how horrible it was that yeah, he committed those things definitely either. definitely doesn't present him as a hero for having done that. Yeah. And in fact, like, it does specifically call out the hypocrisy of people who didn't stop him. Mm. So, mm. like, that's uh, in the context of the show. Which is very important yeah. at this juncture in human history. With, with Orange 45, <laughs> a populist <laughs> president... Uh, like it's like I think Buddy Buddy Andrew Jackson. There is a lot that can be learned about mm. about the way that uh, populism and the democratic process in America play into each other. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, good. Let's get Ooh, political. It's political. <laughs> it's political. Uh, I will take this moment to plug a politics podcast that I do called <laughs> A New World Order, where I run my own country and everything is perfect. I'm comfortable as long as uh, the bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson podcast gets a cross plug in the politics. Oh, absolutely. Yes. We've already done that. Excellent. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, shall we move on to plot and characters? Let's do that. All right. So, bloody, bloody Andrew Jackson. I can't talk, so I'm going to do an accent and disguise the fact. What accent is that out of interest? Don't ask difficult questions. <laughs> um, uh, can I make a request? Uh, as long as I don't have to talk, yes. The, the request is <laughs> stop it. Done. <laughs> I have stopped it. So, uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson is basically a biopic or biomusical of Andrew Jackson while kind of satirising his motives and the people around him. So it starts off, he is, I guess, well, he loses everyone. His family is dead and a dentist dies because of cholera and Native American assaults. Mm. So, and he's, uh, so he wants to, uh, well, they want to take politics away from the elite and give it back to the public. With the song, Populism, yeah, yeah. And despite myself, it is a catchy tune. Quality song. It's like, oh, I can't get it out of my head and now I'm a populist. Great. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, so it's set in the 18th century. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh so he joins the military 
And at this point, the British are still fighting the Americans and he gets captured by the British. Uh, So he, you know, it's not a big plot point. He begins to express disdain for the US government's lack of involvement with the people on the frontier because America didn't do enough to save him. Yeah, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. You're just looking very sceptically at me. Oh, I, I just hate plot descriptions of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson because it's, they don't do the show justice no. in the slightest. And it is so the whole thing is so funny and dumb Yeah, that to, to reduce it yeah. down to the historical plot points seems kind of counterintuitive. I, I guess we that. should say the whole thing is presented by positioning... Andrew Jackson as like an emo rock, emo rocker. So all the songs are very stylized in that way. And so I'm Not That Guy is, well, he sings about uh, not getting the girl in high school because they wanted the cool kids. and But then that's kind of twisted around onto like, I don't want to be the guy that does the politics, etc. Something that's worth mentioning uh, up until this point, um, it's kind of been posed as this and it, it, in the script, which I have lost and I hate myself for, um, but uh, in the script it says it should be done in the style of a crappy PBS documentary. <laughs> and yeah. so you've got all of these people acting really badly, saying crappily written lines, <laughs> and you've got a narrator who is this historian in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like we're getting around on stage saying how important it was <laughs> that, you know, all these things were happening to, to Andrew Jackson. And it makes it really entertaining and, and unusual. Um, well, again, because it kind of adds parody instead of this dry description of mm, plot. Yes. Ugh. So let's continue with this dry let's description continue of plot with it because it is important in spite <laughs> of uh, it. So he's shown as a young adult uh, who who basically is regaling tavern, tavern goers with uh, his short meeting with George Washington and he gets attacked by Spaniards. Always attacking people, Spaniards. Spaniards and the British and the Native Americans. Mm. All bad guys at the moment. Wow. <laughs> uh, in the show. Uh, I, I quite like the Spaniards and the Native Americans. The British can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> I say that from a place of privilege. Uh, where did I get up to? Oh, yeah, so he's attacked by Spaniards. He wins but is injured and then a woman named Rachel, helps him recover from his injuries. My name is Rachel. My name is Rachel. (laughs) Uh, Now, they fall in love and eventually marry, but Rachel is technically married to another man. But was she, she was never married to them at the same time, but you still... I think she was. She was? Yeah, I I think she actually committed bigamy, yeah. God. (laughs) <laughs> Women, am I right? <laughs> At least she's got a name. <laughs> she's got a name. Well done. Well done, Friedman and uh, the other one. Timbers. <laughs> Timbers, there we go. Uh, so at the end of Illness is a Metaphor, which is the love song, uh, again, very funny, the news comes that British, Indian and Spanish forces are making advances into American territory and the U.S. government's doing nothing. So Jackson realises that if you want something done, you've got to do it yourself. 
and he sings a song, I'm so that guy. And that's just, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, that's just after he has shot the narrator in the neck. Hence the lyric, sometimes you have to shoot the storyteller in the neck because he literally does it. That makes no sense out of context, so I'm glad you've explained that to me. (laughs) Uh, So Jackson organises a militia. So as we know, Second Amendment, uh, well-regulated militia is every America's right, American's right. So they remove Indian tribes throughout the southeast by force and negotiation which is the song 10 little indians which is dis- a disturbing children's nursery rhyme there, there was definitely uh, air quotes around negotiations definitely then, air quotes um, around negotiation seeing, yeah. uh so yeah but he does adopt a native american child uh named Lynn Queer. and this is where we're introduced to the other power players on the scene, John Quincy Adams, Henry Clay, John Calhoun, and Martin Van Buren, because they are the people in power and they do not like uh, Jackson taking over all this area. They don't like the fact that he's giving the people a voice either. That is that is subtext. Mm. Well, it is pretty, it is sung, look, it's... It is sung in the show. It's subtext (laughs) in big neon signs. (laughs) Yeah, so... So the Battle of New Orleans happens and makes Jackson a national hero and he becomes the governor of Florida uh, and decides to run for president in 1824. Uh, Although he receives most popular and most electoral votes... He is an elected president. And there is a very amusing song called The Corrupt Bargain. But I have seen Zane sing. I sang it. I was the dumb one. I was the one that became president. I can't remember who it <laughs> John was. John Quincy Adams. John Quincy Adams, yeah. yeah, because his dad was president, so he got to be president too. Uh, that was lots of fun. Uh, so he spends the four years after the election at his home basically in exile. He doesn't want to do it, but he returns and forms the Democratic Party that we all know and love so much <laughs> only because it's the other party. Uh, during the presidential election of 1828, Andrew Jackson becomes a surprise candidate, song rock star, uh, but the public and personal lives start falling apart and Rachel uh, does not like it in the song The Great Compromise. So days before he's elected to the Senate, uh, uh, days before the election, a Senate panel by Henry Clay investigates Jackson's past wrongdoings, accusing Rachel of bigamy. Shock. Horror. Mm. True. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh <laughs> Uh, but despite this, he wins the election, becomes the seventh president. Um, however, the accusation of his rivals, along with the stress of the election, leads to Rachel dying of grief. Yeah, that that's an interesting plot point. And I, when I was um, I was researching the show because um, in the past, and yeah, I've considered putting it on a couple of times, and um, it's something that is 
kind of sketchy. Um, and it's the a period in history where uh, a lot of things weren't documented very well. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know whether it was actual grief, whether she committed suicide or whether she had some other illness and it was just exacerbated by the fact that she had stress or whatever it was. But yeah. th- those kinds of historical plot points like that, I'm always fascinated whether, by. It, whether it's kind of like a euphemism or like a cover-up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, uh, you know. Interesting. Sad. Um, okay, so once he's in office, he is faced with a plethora of problems. Uh, banks, et cetera, et cetera. Being the people's president, he starts polling the populace about all executive decisions, which is tough, you know? The people <laughs> like it at first. At first, they do. Uh, but Congress and the Supreme Court do not like it. Um, but Jackson consolidates executive power, making the president more powerful than Congress and the courts. So... Uh, again, the average citizens are liking it, but when the problems grow tougher and there's a less clear answer, they start to not like him again. So, you know, populism. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. Um, so this, as- this is very heavy material, but it should be um, should be noted that it's, well, that's it's what I, dealt with quite lightly. It's <laughs> very very production. funny. It's very funny. Uh, it's, yeah, I I feel it's a very close to home. Mm. I uh, no, I'm not going to get into it. Why not? Look, no, this is the time. Get into it. Go American on. politics drives me insane, and Trump should die in a hole. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I'll uh, accept that. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. And, and I, like, this is why this is a timely yeah. show to be talking about. Like, there's there's no coincidence that Assassins is being put on in Sydney right oh, now. Absolutely, you know, it's yeah. it's like one of those things. Uh, so, as the American people turn on him, Jackson takes stock. He's lost his family, his wife. He's lost the love of the public. He decides to basically be a president and sing a song. Sing a song about it. So it's called The Saddest Song. Uh, uh, he summons Black Fox, an Indian chief who organised the remaining tribes uh, to negotiate, in inverted commas. Uh, I think this is one of the ones where he actually wanted to. Well, that's the thing. He did want to negotiate, but then instead of negotiating, he kind of made a sweeping declaration that Americans are going to force them out of their territory. So... He might have had good intentions, but, you know, genocide. What are you going to do? Sorry. <laughs> uh, near the end, uh, the musical reviews, Jackson's legacy, etc., etc., kind of wrapping it all up. Uh, some believe that he was one of America's greatest presidents, while others believe him to be an American Hitler. <laughs> I think that sentence encapsulates America really well because we've either got greatest president or Hitler. Could why can't we have both? <laughs> you know. Uh, uh, so I, it's very dry and very political, and it's like historically accurate, but 
it there is not one point that it doesn't make fun of the decisions being made, the reasons that people are making those decisions, and what is going on. Uh, I've, I've got. Uh, I was reading from that same um, LA Times article about the um, center. What is it? Uh, center Theater Group uh, oh, production. Yes, yeah. Um, the original production in LA. Um, they they were talking to the interviewer and, um, and I'll read you a, a little short bit of it. Although Friedman maintains that they did not set out to draw a one-to-one matchup of Jackson with any modern presidents, <laughs> a note to the actors in the script states, the character of Andrew Jackson is a cross between George W. Bush and Owen Wilson. He's a good-looking, <laughs> immensely charismatic moron. Yeah. And I think that uh, is really well uh, fleshed out in the show. It's really well yeah. illustrated in the show. And that's like it's... The, honestly, it's kind of, also in the show. There's a, a few backup girls that aren't Rachel, and just the the conviction that they're saying these stupid things with just it's that's what sells the show. Like it's like people honestly believed that this was a good thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so if you, you know. listen to one song from the show, that will either sell it to you or break it for you. Populism, yeah, yeah. Listen to it if you appreciate its type of humor. You'll love the whole show. Yeah, I get, that is kind of the the song of the show, isn't it? Though also, oh, no, I won't say Ten Little Indians because that's it's very dark. That's very, a tough one to pin the entire judgment of the show on. But that, <laughs> it is the darkest point. Yeah. It is the darkest point. Yeah. And it's presented in a children's nursery, right? Like it's, it's, mm. I really like that juxtaposition. Mm. Enough about the story. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the songs. Let's talk about the song. There's not many. There isn't many. And we've How many just, are there? I think you've actually named every single one of them almost. Probably. Already. I think there are 13 altogether. Mm-hmm. I listened to the soundtrack today and I liked... How many do you think I like? Two. I'm going to guess four. Ooh. Zane is the winner. I ah. liked two. Can you guess which two? Mm. Populism, yeah, yeah. And? Corrupt bargain. Um, I'm going to say populism and um, uh, the Great Compromise. Ooh, you got one, Zane. I like Ten Little Indians (laughs) and the Corrupt Bargain. Okay. I didn't like populism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got bored. The only (laughs) reason I went with populism and corrupt is they're the most kind of like Similar in t- oh no I guess I'm not that guy in populism are pretty similar in tone mm, mm. yeah all right well I, I think- liked Ten Little Indians because it was like flashback to Alfred's basic one and I'm like <laughs> oh I remember learning how to play that song on piano oh bless okay so the songs are populism yeah 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 which oh, is- I added a yeah it's just yeah yeah which is the anthem of the show mm-hmm. yeah mm. I'm not that guy as opposed to I'm not that girl. Is it meant to be, is that like a parody on that at all? I don't think so. It could be. Okay. <laughs> it, it, it could be. I don't think it is, though. That, that's a deep cut, that uh, that reference, if I it is. I think it's only yeah. the title that okay. references it. Yeah. Okay. Illness is a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Which is the love song. Yeah, it's yeah, Andrew Jackson, Rachel, Monroe, <laughs> and band leader. I'm so that guy. Andrew Jackson and company. Well, you know, he can only be in denial for so long. 
before you commit genocide. I mean, it's a deep-seated I, calling, and when it comes, you just have to answer that door. I mean, oh I, just, I, just want, I just want to go on record. I <laughs> am on the side of the Native Americans. Oh, I thought you were going to say I'm on team genocide. Yeah. I was like, I'm oh, not on team genocide. No. Genocide, is a as a rule, thing. is a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a rule. Like, I, I don't think we've had a good genocide in the world yet. No. I'll Google it. <laughs> Except for the genocide of typhoid. And smallpox. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Oh, look, you did it. Yeah. Viruses. Genocide's okay when they're viruses. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> let's, not, let's not go down this route anymore. Then we have the song Ten Little Indians. Which is so dark and so pretty. But a very old song. Like, the theme is very old. Uh, which is female soloist and female ensemble. Oh, look. Female soloist doesn't get a name. How do you feel about that, Zane? Well, she's not a character, so I'm not, I don't. You're okay with that? I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah. Okay. You be you. Because there's also like male soloists throughout and band leader, like they're descriptives. Mm. Yeah. Well, then again, the corrupt bargain, which is female ensemble, then goes to name Tula, Elizabeth and Naomi. That's true. Um, Are they, are they, do they? Play a part in the show other than that? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, the names of the ensemble characters aren't yeah. very featured in the show when I saw it. Yeah. And when I read it, like, I don't remember those names. Yeah. I think The Corrupt Bargain is my favourite song mm. just because it's, it's, the, it's the most blatantly, uh, it makes the most blatant fun of politics. It's kind of like ridiculous. I think it sounds different too because it was the only one, as I was driving along, it was the only one I was like, hey, what's that? Until Hunters of Kentucky, I think they're very similar tonally. Yeah. Uh, then we have Rockstar. Yep. Followed by The Great Compromise, sung by Rachel. Public Life, again, Andy having a sing song. Crisis Averted, The Saddest Song, Second Nature, and then finally, The Hunters of KFC. Or just K. Hunters of K. FC. I'm a hunter of KFC. That happens after the, like, that's the curtain out, yeah? Yeah, that's the end of the show. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of like, that's the closing number, but it's kind of out of out of the context of the yeah. show anyway. It's, actually it's not telling quite, any more of the story. No, it's it's pretty unusual. Pretty unusual. I, it's referencing the fact that... He was from Tennessee, so it's kind of like this is the the mythos that's built up about, around him, and this is oh, we're not going to end on a dour note. Mm. Let's yeah, let's, let's get you smiling again. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what's your, so what's your favorite song of the show? Yeah. My favorite song of the show. That's a that's a tough one because um um that's I I often get asked what my favorite song of that album was or whatever, yeah, and I yeah. often find it difficult to take it out of the context whole. yeah um but uh i think uh i'm not that guy is a great song um i think populism yeah yeah is a great song i think corrupt bargain is hilarious um i think uh the great compromise is a dark horse in yeah. the overall show as far as quality of song goes it's really short um and it ends abruptly but it gives Rachel this really massive opportunity to really 
emote and tell her the her, the important part of her story. Yes, yeah. and I think uh, it's the important part um, of the female's role in this society that it's portraying as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so th- that's one of my favourites just because it's it's punchy and it's unusual and it's important. And it is interesting in a show that has so few songs that they did give Rachel that moment because it's it's she's comes in in love and then she leaves with the great compromise. And I think I think that's a really interesting choice that they made and I, I think it's really good. Mm. Um to give some context to her journey through it and rather than her just being a uh, a name that comes up in his story. Yeah, like, and Andrew Jackson's wife. Yes. It, it's actually, she does have an interesting part of the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, shall we move on to cast and production notes? Yeah. All right, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. It hasn't been staged a lot, so there's not a lot of uh, like cast notes or it, it's been staged quite a few times, but I think it's mostly student um, productions and university productions yeah, and stuff because not... it's short and it's manageable and it's rock and it's accessible. And... I mean, it has toured a lot, uh, but again, not like for really extended periods no. of time. No, so. <sighs> Where do we start? I mean, well, well, let's start with with Broadway. So, who do who do we have? So Benjamin Walker. Mm-hmm. That's that's the that's the big name. Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter. Abra- Abraham. For those Lincoln, who are wondering Hunter. who Ben Walker is, he also went on to play um, uh, Patrick Bates in uh, American yes. Psycho, yeah. which was the Duncan Sheik. One and Alex Timbers directed that. Now I think that show is that a lie? I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure I made it up. Involved. Don't quote me on that. I'm not sure if you directed that. Though. I'm gonna Google that. <laughs> um, that show is a show that is justified in having a shirtless man in its promo material. <laughs> that one is Clockwork Orange. Not so much American Psycho. Definitely, I will forgive <laughs> that. Uh, so. We also have in the Broadway one uh, Maria Elena Mar- Ramirez, Maria Elena Ramirez, uh, Jeff Hiller, and Lucas Nierverbrug. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Uh, and again, no, no, no award winners there because the year was tough. It was a tough year. Mm. Hard slot. He was year. Mormon, you know? Yeah. Like, it was a Mormon kind of year. Yeah. Yay. Also, <laughs> um, I, I think it was uh, the year that uh, the Sutton Foster Anything Goes was on as well. Yeah. Also, yeah. yay. Which hurts. Minus Sutton Foster. Hurts any other show other than Anything Goes. So, I, I, again, Benjamin Walker did it a lot. That's what he's known for. Uh, there's not another a lot of big names. Like in Boston, we have... Uh, uh, Gus Curry as Andrew Jackson and uh, Tom Hamlet, a name I was hoping someone might be able to tell me where I know it from. No, I can't do that. Good. Okay. Um, uh, I do have one um, observation and I might be completely wrong. Okay. Um, but you know the guy who uh, was in 
the one about the guy with two wives and he played like a million characters. Um, we were talking about it earlier tonight. Oh, Gentleman's Guide. Gentleman's Guide, yep. yeah. I'm pretty sure that the guy that played a million characters is in the original cast of, uh, or, well, the, the Broadway cast of Bloody Bloody. I think he's the guy that plays Quincy Adams. That right. is a hunch and that's just from right. seeing photos. So, so Quincy Adams, uh, it doesn't actually list them by title here, Annoying. by role. Annoying. Mm. Mm. I don't know. This is if making you know, for a good podcast no, anyway. If you, if you know, <laughs> listeners, uh, feel free to either confirm or deny James's assertion. Wow, like wild assertion mm, and mm. speculation. <laughs> uh, Allegation even. <laughs> uh, production effects. Well, you've seen it. What? What's... Yeah, so I saw the... Um, <laughs> Excuse me. I saw the uh, Australian premiere, which was yep. done by an independent company in Sydney called Squabologic. And uh, it was done in a uh, – for anybody who's been to the Sydney Comedy Festival, um, the Sydney Comedy Festival's offices are in like a warehouse kind of place, semi-industrial area, and uh, they've got a couple of warehouses they've converted into theatres. And yep. it, it was in one of those theatres. And so it was gritty, it was um, grimy, it was, uh, wasn't was a steep break on the seats or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. like, yeah, it was pretty, pretty, uh, uh, it was a nice venue. Anyway, so we, we were there and we, we walked in and all of the players were um, interspersed throughout the space as you, as you kind of walk yep. in. So it's designed to be immersive and, and it's kind of like, uh, you know, rock posters on the walls, yeah. kind of cross-pollinated with heritage furniture pieces. And so it's kind of this, it's a deliberate juxtaposition yeah. between the way that they're then delivering the story <laughs> and the um, the nature of the story itself. Um, I found that in that production, I found that uh, could have, that could have been done better, the immersiveness on the way in. Right. But I yeah. know I, the only reason why I think that is because I know how well, I've heard how well it was done in the actual original right. Broadway production. Um, however, uh, it's a, it's a, doesn't pretend to be anything, it didn't pretend to be more than anything, more than what it was, which is yeah. the, the kind of independent production rock show with a rock band and with an ensemble cast and just jumping around and, everybody wore mostly the same costume all night, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, this show, more than, like, say, what we've, a show that we've just done is uh, Drowsy Chaperone, this doesn't require a lot of imagination to stage it. Mm. Like, it really is up front and centre exactly what it is and how it wants to be presented. Mm. So, yeah. Uh, I, it, it's also pretty prescriptive in the... Uh, yeah. Not prescriptive, but... Uh, there are a lot of suggestions. Like yeah. um, one of the suggestions in the script is to not get musical theatre people, get actors who can sing because, and I think the reason why they've given that instruction is because it's meant to be funny and the, the performances aren't meant to be high polish. Yeah. They're yeah. meant to make you laugh and you, you're meant to be inter- not interacting with the show, but the show should be alive yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so yeah, in, in terms of the production itself, uh, that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, um, it's it's a 
unit set. They don't move around much stuff. Nothing flies in. It's nothing nothing amazing. Just that independent theatre kind of vibe, which <laughs> yeah. I like. I mean, I, that's I, the thing. That. When I'm picturing it in my head, I haven't seen the show itself. I, I have trouble picturing it as anything other than like a concert like taking place at a concert with mm. the scenes inside, like concert presentations of the songs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, let's, uh, now that we've learned everything there is to know about the facts of this musical, let's go on to uh, the fun parts our Dreamcast. Okay. Other than the obvious casting, James. Uh, I can't sing it. I actually can't. I, really? I, audi- I auditioned for... So this is actually the way that I met my wife. This show was was how <gasps> I met my wife. Um, I was I flew down to Sydney and stayed with a friend uh, on a whim because I managed to somehow get a callback for um, uh, this Squabologic production of Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson. Yeah. And I slept on the couch and I met this, I did the dishes with this girl named Casey. And so that's why. And then you dumped her and met your wife. (laughs) (laughs) That's why uh, Andrew Jackson actually made it into our ceremony. Um, because it was our, our first time meeting story. So, like, um, Ten Little Indians just played that? Or? Oh, no, no, not, not a song. No, it wasn't a song. I was um, like, I can't think of one appropriate song from this show. <laughs> I'm so done with compromising. Um, no, it was, uh, it, we, well, we told the same story to the celebrant, and the oh. celebrant was like, James was trying to be Andrew Jackson. And in the ceremony, he's like, not that he committed genocide or anything, Whoa. which was hilarious. <laughs> it was definitely that kind of ceremony. Yeah, very relaxed. Good. <laughs> like, as long as you were prepared for that. Like. <laughs> Can you ever be prepared for that? So I didn't get into the show and it's actually too high for me. Um, it's just on the verge of my range. I, I can't sing that many A's. Honestly, I can't sing that many A's. All right, well, who, who would you put for Andrew Jackson? Look, that's a tough one. Um, I wrote down a couple of random ones and I went for the uh, actor's first, singer's second type mm-hmm. direction. Um, oh, with the exception of my first two choices, apparently. <laughs> uh, so Adam Pascal yeah, oh, yeah. As, uh, as Andrew Jackson. I think I, if I he think was younger, like yeah. a, a younger Adam Pascal, and uh, caveat all of these are if this person was younger and more emerging. Uh, David Lee Roth. You're going to love my suggestions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, David Lee Roth, who was um, the lead singer of Van Halen. Um, Oh, okay. Also a funny funny guy. Yeah. uh, Has a song called Just a Gigolo and uh, he basically calls himself a a man about town. Yeah, (laughs) a man whore. Who else? Um, in the show, I imagined a couple of like now stars, but you know, they, if they were younger, I was thinking a young James Spader might make it into the. Um... He's actually on my. I'm not even oh, younger. Oh shit! Really? Yeah, like uh, as like one of the players, yeah, like, uh, as John, Quincy John Quincy Adams or someone yes. else. Yeah, totally. Like uh, I've got a ho- all in that same vein, like uh, <laughs> Paul Giamatti, oh, like nice. just uh, like those real like character actors yeah, and yeah. just fill it with that. I, th- I think that would make a hilarious show. Um, Tina Fey as Rachel. Yeah. All right. I, no, like yeah. maybe a little bit dark for her, but I would like to see her do that. I think she, I think she tried to do dark with, 
Oh, the movie where she was in, she went over to Iraq. WTF. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think she could do it. Mm. Yeah, I could see her. Stephen Colbert. Yeah. Um, I mean, we know that he can do musicals. He did that company concert and yeah, stuff. Yeah. I think he'd be good in, as one of the presidents yes, as well. Yeah. Um, uh, somewhat fittingly, I think Trey Parker and Matt Stone um, could <laughs> po- both be in this show. Yeah. Uh, uh, younger yep. versions of those guys um, from the Cannibal the Musical years. Yeah. I reckon they would yeah. definitely be in a show like this. Oh, geez. Mm. That's a. That's an experience. And that show, that's an... <laughs> oh, what about um, William Shatner as Andrew Jackson? Oh, yeah, I would watch it. Doing the, yeah. the common people style spoken singing for yeah. the whole show. Populism. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I, would, I would pay good money. Good, <laughs> like lots of money. Yeah, I would. I would do that. I would, would too. <laughs> Julie, anyone you'd like to see in this show? Nah, she's out, eh? Oh, well done. Oh, well done. Well, I wouldn't mind. Perhaps. <sighs> oh, no, a reminder. Seeing her. my best friend, Zac Efron. Where, where, where would he go? I was one of the girls, I think. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's like the band leader who yeah. does the, um, the sappy ballad about how the entire world is screwed because yeah. politics and people. Um, maybe, maybe he could be like the. The hot band guy. Yeah. Maybe the shirtless narrator. Oh, (laughs) maybe he could play the aging history woman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it. Yep. All right. Well, I'm I'm pretty certain that that's the best cast we're going to get. Yep. Mm -hmm. So, William Shatner, Paul Giamatti, (laughs) Trey Parker, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, (laughs) Stephen Colbert. This is That's a dream cast, a right? It is a dream cast. It is. Cast. <laughs> It'd be it's, so great. I'd love to. Yeah, see I it. think oh, let's just take a break and consider that for a moment. All right, so what top five list does bloody bloody Andrew Jackson belong on? Do we want to do around the table, like each do one? Yeah, let's just or... see who, who who runs out of ideas first. All right, um, obvious one, top five presidential musicals. Right, yeah, um, I would actually expand that out. Top five political musicals. Ooh, that's a big call. That's a big call. But I, I think this is. I think this is up there. Um, I had the rest of the top five list for presidential musicals. And they included Assassins, Hamilton, Evita, and Clinton the Musical as the top five All right. presidential I have musicals. a slightly different president-related list. Oh, yeah. Top five singing presidents. Singing presidents, right. Mm. Okay. Then you have Reefer Madness. You have Annie. Oh. Annie. Mm. Um, oh, no, he doesn't sing. I was going to say the producers, but he just sits and waves his arm in a chair. Well, yeah. in Assassins, none of the presidents sing. No, I don't think the president, it's only ever the Assassins. Yeah, it's the Assassins. Oh, Sondheim. Yeah. Ruining a list for us. Every time. Always, always ruining well, lists. Well, it's, it's another big call. What about satirical musicals? Mm. Mm-hmm. See, I, again, just joined two together and went political satires. Uh, I, I think I think that's a valid one because there's not a lot of Broadway musicals that are true that satire. are true satire. Yeah, um, like 
you're in town, even though it's it it kind of borrows and makes takes the piss out of yeah a lot of Broadway. I think it's 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 still not a musical. It, yeah, it's not not one hundred percent satirical. Yeah, it's not that it's not cynical enough. Whereas this is like biting yeah. in its cynicism um, around America. Yeah. What about? Uh, well, I I don't want to say. I actually want to say top five historically accurate musicals because there's not a lot of revisionism in this. It, there is stick to the, the facts, quote unquote, it, yeah. yeah, that we know of. Yeah, I think um one of the uh, in, one of the interesting ones is that uh, Andrew Jackson's parents didn't get killed by Native Americans, <gasps> which is which changes the mode pretty it, significantly changes the motivation of Andrew Jackson of that first genocide. Mm, yeah, because mm, mm. yeah, there's no link there. He's just doing it. Imagine, How about uh, sorry? Go on. Imagine if Batman's parents hadn't been killed, we'd have no Batman. Wow. Oh, fingers. Uh, we, if only. Time well, l- let's, l- let's look at the silver lining. At least we wouldn't have Batman forever. <sighs> Fun drinking games, though. Mm, true. <laughs> true. Uh, what about top five punk rock musicals? I'll take it. Um, and I looked into it, and it turns out there aren't that many. No. I'm because I, I came up five. with American Idiot Spring Awakening, which is emo at best, it's yeah. not. I mean, this isn't even a punk rock musical, but Hedwig and the Angry Inch is. But after those four, inclusive of um, Bloody Bloody, who call themselves a punk, punk or rock, emo yeah. rock, there's nothing else that I could no. find. Everything else is rock or symphonic rock or or like the Who. Then by and, default, I so guess. it's in the top five. It's in the top five because it's unique. But it's oh, <laughs> it, it's good in good company though. Mm. In, I don't, know, I don't know what I'd put on top one of that. Hmm. Um, I've got another one. Yeah, by all means. Top, I'm stumped <laughs> myself. Running dry. <laughs> uh, top five Alex Timbers musicals because yeah. there are a lot of them that he's either written or directed okay. or produced. Um, and my top five Alex Timbers musicals are uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson, Gutenberg the Musical, which he directed oh. the um, Broadway production of, uh, Here Lies Love, which I've heard of that. The, I haven't um, ever listened to it. Uh, the uh, it's David Byrne music and and stuff. They they took the concert that was originally conceived and turned it into a yep. stage show. Rocky the musical, which was Sorry. apparently yeah. incredible, and I would love to love. It to was watch. on when I was in New York, but I oh! I had there was a choice. I could hear. I I, I could see Rocky. Or I could see um, oh, the Tupac musical and I chose the Tupac musical. Uh, that, okay. They were both closed around the same Strong time. Strong choice. So. Strong choice. And Peter and the Starcatcher. He oh. was a co-direct, he co-directed Peter and the Starcatcher. All right. Yeah. He's a talented guy. But heaps of other stuff. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I'm, I've run out of top five. Yeah, me too. Well's dry. All right. Let's go on to the title... Segment. All right. What did we learn from this musical? What did you guys learn from this musical? <laughs> I learned that people are not always as against genocide as they protest to be. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. If it's convenient, it will happen. Yeah. Or if it's inconvenient for for them not to be. Yeah. For it not to happen. Yeah. So there's a couple of lines in the show that really encapsulate that. It's like uh, it's something along the lines of, um, you know, we don't want to be associated with someone who's killing all the Native Americans in Florida, but it's nice that it doesn't snow there. So we're going to vote for him. Like, (laughs) yeah, I think it's like we can't condone it. But it's good that it happened. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's what I learned from this musical, uh, as cynical as that is. So um, how about don't elect total hats because they promise you that they're the solution to all your problems? Yeah. How about that? Yep. Because if that's, there's um, anything that history tells us... It's a lesson hard learned, that one. <laughs> it's that people will say anything to get the power. Once they got the power, they'll just do whatever they want. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? How strange. <laughs> I knew. Zane knew. Zane was telling everyone. <laughs> and no one listened. Zane had a strong inkling. <laughs> um, Poor Zane. Big, uh, big, big one. The ends don't always justify the means. Yeah. I mm. think that's that's kind of the, the big... Takeaway from the whole musical is that uh, it uh, just because it it uh, it ends up okay doesn't mean that the way you got there is okay. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the reasons why Andrew Jackson is um, kind of put up on a pedestal in American culture is mm. partly because he did found the Democratic Party. Yeah, uh, which is good, <laughs> but. Like, how did that happen? Yeah. Is that the right way for something to have happened? You know, it, it's a and tough again, kind it, of duality. Populism, like, it, it serves a purpose, but it kind of defeats itself if it's taken too far. Mm. So, what are you going to do? I learned something about musicals in this one. Okay. Whoa, that's a um, big lesson. Meta, very meta. I'm told that's what it means. Yeah, you're um, you're allowed to learn stuff about musicals. Uh, that musicals can be cutting and dark and funny and cynical all at the same time. Um, and I think that musical theatre as a form gets written off as something yeah. that can't handle big issues in an impactful or um, or biting yet funny. Way it's very similar to a lesson that I've written down is that I learned that musicals can be a very effective way of getting information across of teaching because mm. there's a lot of stuff in Body Blood Andrew Jackson that I wasn't aware of. Like I'm not a huge American history buff, but now I know a fair bit more about the well, the founding of the Democratic Party and so on and so forth. You know what though? I think. Um I, I think that most Americans wouldn't know the majority of this history about this guy and and the things that he did and the decisions that he had to make and the ways that he kind of yeah. eventually wound up taking to get to where he ended up. But um, but they will remember, oh, yeah, Andrew Jackson was the seventh president, moving on to number eight. Yeah, you know, it's it's a interesting interesting. Conundrum. Never once do they mention the words American Hitler in the show. No. In, in history class. Oh. <laughs> mm. oh. They will pretty soon. No. Mm. Um, also, I'm surprised that we haven't mentioned Hamilton yet, which this show is kind of the precursor. And uh, it, it does take that pop culture element and overlays it on history, doesn't yeah. it? And I think um, it's a strong, uh, it was a strong 
flag in the ground as far as musicals go to allow Hamilton to succeed. Yeah. And that was that was uh, a lot of the critique of it at the time. It's like this is quite different to what we're used to. I, I don't think Hamilton would have got as far as it did if Holly Buddy Andrew Jackson didn't. Mm, mm. But also another thing is like really strong opinions. Like this mm. this super strong opinion. And I think Hamilton, not as strong, but you know, it, it takes a lot of that uh, flag waving and opinion having. It's far know. more mainstream leaning, isn't it? Correct. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Did you learn anything, Julie? Just a whole bunch of rapey US history. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not much apart from that. Is it important to have that in Australia, do you think? Rapey US history. Yeah, like, uh, well, <laughs> learning about it at least. Like, what is it important to the standard Australian person, do you reckon? I'm totally flipping the table on the interview, by the way. No, this, you're allowed. Oh. Put Julie on the spot. Let's oh. say, yeah. Is it, no, important to, is it important to you? No, totally not. Well, to mm. me it is. Mm. I, think, I think it gives a, a good amount of context to how colonialism works and mm. entitlement works. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, it's such a great opening, the show. Yeah. The, the level of entitlement is fantastic. <laughs> I love so it. So it's like, uh, like really uninformed. Yeah, like you can't understate the power of education. Like it, uh, it didn't teach me this, but it reinforced this. How crap people as a group are. Like, <laughs> mob mentality. The, the mo- yeah. Mob mentality is just the worst. Like groups of people are the worst people in the world. Like that's the thing. If if you go and replace in populism, yeah, yeah. If you replace all the we's with and us's with I, mm. like it becomes a, a much different song, mm. a very different song. It becomes mm. a villain song, and it's stuff that you know people would never say, never say. if they didn't have this kind of idea Crowd around of them. support behind yeah. them. Yeah, it's fascinating. All right, well, I think we've got sufficiently heavy uh, and political. Uh, I think we laughed enough. <laughs> we laughed enough. Like again, like I want to apologize for the dry delivery of the plot and the synopsis. Like. The show is not. I don't think that was history. your fault. I don't think that's your fault, Zane, at all. I tried. I tried to cut as much out of the Wikipedia and make it relate <laughs> back to the musical. But I, I read the Wikipedia thing today, and I was reading through it. And I'm like, this is the least entertaining thing I think I've ever read in my yeah. life. <laughs> because I, it's it's literally just regurgitating the history plot points. I had it read to me, and I was like, I can't do this. I can't. L- listen, uh, yeah. listen to the soundtrack to make make your judgment. Don't read the Wikipedia page because it will take you less time to listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's more entertaining, gives you a better idea of the show. And I had the plot read to me before I listened to the soundtrack, so I already had stank in mind when I was listening <laughs> to the soundtrack. It's like I just hate it all. I don't want to like it anymore. <laughs> Uh, didn't realise it was funny. At, at least all. it exceeded your expectations. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Getting here tonight. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Let's do that. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode on bloody bloody Andrew Jackson and that is the first time that I've said it without messing up the words congratulations me 
Thanks again for joining us, James. It has been my pleasure. And bringing this musical to the table. It is, uh, I think it is an underappreciated musical and it is definitely worth a listen uh, if you don't get a chance to go out and see it. Is there anything you'd like to plug or mention before we go? Um, I apparently don't do any theatre anymore. So oh, that's no. kind of um, uh, kind of sad. Um I I got married. I, that was a production um, <laughs> to uh, two ex performers, or well, current performers as well. Um, I think uh, I don't know. I, I might plug Alex Timbers instead. He's directing the origin story for Cruella Deville for Disney. I'm interested film. in that. Mm. I think I think that would be Emma Stone is playing Cruella yeah. Deville as well, which is kind of interesting um, for the last few years he's been a producer on an Amazon Prime show about kind of the performing arts in New York called Mozart in the Jungle as well, which won I haven't heard of I think it won Golden Globes or something. It's on Stan. Oh, is it? Yeah. I'm gonna have to watch it now. I've got Stan. I only found that out today. But it it looks it looks (laughs) pretty cool. No, no. (laughs) No, the Mozart in the Jungle thing. Shut up. Um there's another uh, thing you've learned. <laughs> but, um, I mean, as for me, um, I'm working quite a lot. I'm studying quite a lot. Um, that is the bane of being an adult. Yeah, it is. Um, so that means that uh, – so I run a, a little production company called Theatre Makers. Um, we've done stuff uh, called Music Theatre Jam in the past, which is concerts with musical theatre performers that are doing uh, musical theatre songs. I have partaken and I, I highly hope, recommend them. I hope you had a good time. <laughs> um, and uh, we've put on a couple of small things. Like uh, we did put on Gutenberg actually at one point. Um, so I know it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Gutenberg is one of my personal favourites. It's so funny. Um, but look, uh, theatre makers is on the shelf at the moment. Uh, all the all the individual theatre makers people are out doing their own stuff. Like, oh, we had Ray on just uh, the other week. Ray, um, Ray is always yeah. just doing awesome stuff. Everything. Um, so busy. Anthony DeMarco has always got his finger in, in theatre pies all over the place. Um, Carly Griffin's working on um, opera down in Sydney at the moment yeah. again, yeah. Uh, which is really great uh, technician-wise. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing for theatre makers just yet. Well, still, we'll see if it changes. Yeah, hopefully something just springs up and, and forces us to put it on. Look, sometimes sometimes you just have to do a Zane one, Zane, one man show of the producers. Super cheap. Oh, do you yeah. know anyone? Uh, yeah, Zane. Zane's a one one Zane oh, show. Oh yeah, of great. The producers. Okay, yeah. let's talk. We can um, <laughs> we can put the numbers together. See if they stack up. Right. Yeah, good. Yeah. Okay, numbers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have an iPhone, Jam? I do. Yes, oh, I do. Excellent. Well, I will encourage you mm-hmm. to follow along with James at home mm-hmm. by opening up your podcast app. It's the purple one. Mm. That has a little man with. If you go to the main it. menu and you swipe, like if you just press your home button, swipe down and search pod. Yeah, that's how I get to it because nice. I just put it away. It's rarely, rarely tap it. Apart Not, from every Friday when he listens to our podcast. Well, well, I have been. People aren't as addicted to podcasts as I am. So or I that's am. True. <laughs> and you just go to the search and you type in musicals, and that's all you need to type in, and we should be the first one that pops up. That's exciting. That's some good Isn't SEO. it? Yeah. Thank you, iTunes. So 
And then you just need to select us in the podcast section and go to reviews. And we encourage you to give you give us a five-star rating and an honest review on what you think of the podcast. Uh, by I'm, all means. I'm doing it right now. I am actually oh, doing it. Yes, everyone actually, can go I think changes. I may have done it already. So am I. Uh, you are <laughs> one of the blessed, blessed few. I will say they do take a few days to show up because uh, I know people have put comments on there and then contacted us and said, I've commented on it. And I was like, I can't see it yet, but I trust you. <laughs> uh, so if you want to get in contact with us in another way that isn't quite so public, you can find us on social media, facebook.com forward slash musicals taught me everything I know on Twitter at musicals teach me. Or if you have a long winded rant to say to us, you can email us at musicals taught me podcast at gmail.com and Julie will send you a long winded reply. Won't I ever? <laughs> um, as always, if you want to access those coveted two first episodes that highly we produced. recommend highly recommend all you need to do is pledge one dollar a month to our patreon and you will become a an honored patron and you will get access to those two first episodes and our monthly ep- bonus episodes so go on there patreon.com forward slash musicals taught me everything i know and, you can, know, I, can i be on a bonus episode sure We'll get can, you along can we one, like re- we can record one. one right now? Like it's quite late. We can do like a musical radio play kind of gig. Oh, cool! <laughs> All right. Oh no, they're much much more fun than that. Can we do like sound effects and stuff? And yeah, foley like, work and just like mm-hmm. yeah, let's just uh, like banging our heads against the table, just like real stomp feel against yeah. each yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. I've been Zane C. Weber, and with me at the table, Julie Eisentrager, and a super special thank you to. James Gorsey for bringing us bloody bloody Andrew Jackson. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. And we'll catch you all next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 